Well, good morning and welcome to River Valley. I hope you had a great Christmas. Thank you. Wow, Topper, it's already working. It's already working. I hope you had a great Christmas week. Uh, we were talking to a few people in the lobby before. If it was one that you wanted to be in your sweatpants all week, hopefully you got to do that. Uh, if you want to do a lot of activity with your family, those you love, hopefully you got to do that as well. Ate good food, all that. Um, I, I got to say this, Christmas Eve services across River Valley were amazing. But I think Egan put it to the next level. I think I saw there's a brass quartet or maybe a quintet. I don't know, maybe there are five out there on the lobby. That was amazing. Well done, Egan. Give yourselves a round of applause. That's amazing. I got to say that's like next level Christmas celebration right there. Uh, before we get too far, let me just introduce myself as Topper said, my name is Darren Lee. I'm a communications director for River Valley Church. I've been with the church about four years, uh, but for the eight years before that, I was actually uh, pastoring at a church here in Egan. And so it's great to be back. Most of my work uh, these days is behind the scenes. So it's fun to be up here uh, just sharing some things God's put on my heart with you today. Uh, but before we go any further, I appreciate the invitation. Can we just honor your campus faster. Topper and Sue, thank you so much. Um, you got a great team, a great team out here. And uh, I love that our lead pastors, Pastor Rob and Becca, they, uh, they create a weekend like this, a home team weekend, where we get to hear from a variety of voices across all nine campuses. Every single service, there's a different voice speaking this weekend. Isn't that amazing? I mean, what an amazing church we get to be a part of. Uh, Pastor Neil, first service, an amazing job. And I'm excited to share with you uh, today. And so, um, I have, uh, my wife and I, we have, we have three young kids. We have an eight-year-old, a six-year-old, and a four-year-old. Anyone else have young kids in your house? You're around them during, maybe aunts, uncles, grandpas, grandmas, you're around them during Christmas. Let me just tell you, Christmas is a different animal with young kids around, right? There's a lot of good that comes with a lot of bad, but I just gotta say, when you're around a little kid at Christmas and they get it, they're just into it, they love it. Isn't it just an amazing thing? It's like what Christmas was, was really meant to be. And uh, of course, there's, there's the other side. My three kids have probably consumed more sugar than anything else this week. And they've slept half as much as they normally do. So you do the math, how that's worked out at home. Uh, but when they go with it, when they enjoy Christmas, when they're into it, when just this like wonderful miracle is, is just, they're in it, their eyes light up. It's just an amazing moment. And uh, last year we were at, uh, we were at our in-laws house and we were staying in the basement and Christmas morning, my then three-year-old son, Calvin, he gets all excited. He wakes up early in the morning. He runs up the stairs and rushes towards the tree. And well, let me just show you what happened. Take a look. I mean, he's my son, but I think it's pretty cute, right? I mean, he really is real, right? Now, I, what you didn't see is I, because I cut it off right at the right moment is his oldest sister immediately bursting his bubble and telling him that someone bought those gifts and put them on there and let me ruin your entire childhood right now. But isn't that just life? When we're excited about something, right? And we're in a place where we've stepped out. We believe something. Maybe we've, we've chosen joy in our life. We've found faith. We've found hope. Someone or something comes along and tries to steal it. Tries to remind it. That, that's not real. Tries to pull us back down to their version of reality. And we've heard it said the last few weeks, and none better than Pastor Rob, that joy changes everything. Yeah. In the last few weeks of the series, and as we wrap up today, I want just to leave you this, with this thought, that joy came to the world, not for a holiday, but for a lifetime. Yeah. That joy isn't seasonal. 
Now, you may have been sitting in this room just a few days ago on Christmas Eve. You walked past the beautiful brass quartet, I believe, uh, and they came in here. You can probably still hear them playing, and the, as the service goes on, you get to the end, you're holding a candle, you're singing Silent Night, and joy is welling up inside of you. Things are great. It's beautiful as you look around. But just a couple days later, you're taking down the tree and the decorations, you're packing them all up in, along with Jesus and the joy and everything that comes along with it. Isn't it interesting? We feel one way as we lead up to Christmas, and then we, lead, we feel a completely different way on the other side of it. Everyone's nice as we lead up to Christmas. Everyone's spreading Christmas cheer all around. There's a command almost to be that way. We bake more, we eat more, we buy more, we send out Christmas cards, we have office parties. It's a great time. There's plenty of activity for joy. But the question is, why doesn't it last? We spent enough money, we ate enough calories, we listened to enough music, it should be in us, right? It's hard to think of anything in our lives that, on a regular basis that changes much faster than the build-up to Christmas and then the day after. On Christmas, at Christmas Eve, maybe you're all dressed up, you're looking great, you took a picture with the family, and then the next day you're wandering into Starbucks in your sweatpants, right? I know because I did it. That's happened this week, actually. The season may be over, but the joy you found in it doesn't need to be. So if we're going to keep the joy, we need to move past Christmas to the cross. Christmas brings joy to our life, but the cross seals it in our hearts. You, you know, there's some people, they try, but you can't keep the joy out of Christmas. But let me tell you this, there's some people that do a very good job of keeping the joy out of Jesus. Well, we don't have to do that. If Jesus is more than a, than a holiday version, more than just a baby in a manger, if he's the savior of your life, and you've chosen that direction of your life, you can hold that joy all year long. So let me just share a few ideas with you today about how we can do that and where that source of joy really comes from. So first of all, the life of Jesus is the source of our joy. The life of Jesus is the source of joy. In 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, it says, From the very first day we were there, taking it all in, we heard it with our own ears, we saw it with our own eyes, we verified it with our own hands. The word of life appeared right before our eyes, we saw it happen. And now we're telling you in most sober prose that what we witnessed was incredibly this. The infinite life of God himself took shape before us. Verse 3 and 4. We saw it, we heard it, and now we're telling you so you can experience along with us this experience of communion with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. Our motive for writing is simply this. We want you to enjoy this too because your joy will double our joy. Theologian W. Hall Harris states that 1 John doesn't really contain a hint of the identity uh, of, the, of the community that they're writing to or really uh, where they are or anything like this. But here's what we do know. We know that they're believers. They've decided to follow Jesus. They're moving that direction in their life. They have some relationship with the author and there's a threat in their life, most likely a threat from false teaching. In other words, 1 John is very similar to the setting in which we find ourselves today. Many of us in this room were believers. We've made a decision to follow Jesus, or at least you've shown some interest in it. You're in the room. You have a relationship with this place. But you know that there are threats in your life that you're facing as you move into a new year that want to take the joy from your life. They want to remove it. And in the same way John writes, I just want to remind you that the life of Jesus is the source of your joy. Nothing else. 
And think about it. We've heard it with our own ears. We've seen it with our own eyes. Week after week, people walk in these doors and they find forgiveness. They find freedom. They find hope. Maybe they are healed in this room. You might be sitting next to someone right now that the Holy Spirit's reminding them of how God has provided for them, how he has set them free, how he's restored their marriage, how he's, how he's changed things in their lives. Maybe you're being reminded of that right now. Just as John wrote, Jesus has taken shape in your life right before your eyes. Can we just, before we're going, can we just thank God for what he's already done? Can we just thank him? God's done amazing things already. Amen. And why does 1 John open this way? Well, look at verse 3 and 4 again. He said, we saw it, just like I just said. We've already seen what God has done. We've heard it. And now we're telling you so you can experience it along with us. At the end, it says, our motive for writing is simply this. We want you to enjoy this too, because your joy will double our joy. I want you to know at the end of this service, if you have yet to find that freedom in your life, You've yet to find the joy of a relationship with Jesus in your life. We're going to give you an opportunity to do so. And just as John wrote, when you make that decision to follow Jesus, the people around you, this community of believers, it will double our joy because that's why we exist. And so you'll have an opportunity to do that. And I just believe that over the next few minutes, that the Holy Spirit will work on your heart and lead you in that direction to that decision in your life. And so the life of Jesus is the source of our joy. There's no denying it. But joy doesn't need to be seasonal. So what can it be to us throughout the year? Joy is a counterbalance to life. Let me tell you a quick story. This summer, we were up at a family resort near Park Rapids, just north of Park Rapids. And I've been going to this place my entire life. My family's been there 40 years. And, and a week in June, I've spent my entire life up there, maybe missed a couple here and there. But about 15 years ago, uh, when I was dating my wife, then she started coming, now her kids, it's kind of become our family tradition. And every year for the last several years, I've wanted to go sailing. So we, we bring a fishing boat up there, and that's fun, and we get around the lake, but I've always just wanted to take one of the fishing boats, that, or excuse me, one of the sailboats out, because I just think it's it's perfect. It's a perfect opportunity to try something, something new. And so I've asked my wife every single year, Would, come on, let's just go sailing. Let's just try it. It's a perfect day. The wind's just right. Let's get out there. And for years, she has successfully avoided going sailing with me until this year. So this summer, it was a bright June morning, completely different than today. Just, just a fair reminder, June is coming. But it was a bright June morning, and we decided to give it a try. Now, it's not a big boat. It's kind of one of those little tiny sailboats. And, uh, but it was still a little intimidating at first. I mean, if you've driven a fishing boat or some sort of speedboat, I'm very comfortable with that. I can control the speed. I can control where I'm going. It's, it's very easy to get around in a boat. But with a sailboat, of course, you're at the mercy of the waves. You're at the mercy of the wind. And there's, there, there's, there's this giant triangle piece of fabric, and there's ropes, and, and you have pulleys, and all kinds of things. And really, as a rookie, I just kind of felt like I was just trying to hold on. So we went out into the lake a couple hundred yards, and honestly, it was amazing. It's perfectly quiet. Has anyone ever gone sailing? This is like a normal thing you do. Okay, a couple. When you get going, it's completely quiet. There's no sound. It's very different than being out in, in some sort of fishing boat or, or speedboat. And you're going along, and actually, it was pretty fun. But I could see it on her face. My wife, Al, she wasn't having it. She was already ready to go back in just a couple hundred yards out, especially after a little gust of wind kind of blew across and kind of tipped us a little bit, okay? So it was time for us to go back in. So I like to think that I'm a decent husband. So I did the wise thing, and I brought her back to shore. I let her off the boat, and then I said, okay, I'm going back out. I'm going to go by myself. Now, she had cautioned me for years, don't do this. You don't know what you're doing. Don't do this. 
And she cautioned me again in the moment. But my mind was set. I was going out there. So I turned the boat around, I pushed off, I set sail from the middle of the lake. Now I caught some speed and I got going and actually was going pretty well. I was kind of figuring out what the ropes did, all this. Then out of nowhere in the middle of the lake, the winds shifted. And in front of the entire resort, it's like a 30 cabins and I'm only about 100 yards out and everyone can see me in the middle of it, the wind starts blowing across the boat and I knew it. Sure enough, I was going over and this 20 foot mast and sail fell and just crashed into the water and I'm jumping over and I jump in the water and I'm trying to get the sail off and the ropes, trying to figure out what I tied together. I don't remember and I'm floating out there and I jump on the other side of the boat and I somehow get it like, I'm not a big guy, but somehow I got that boat back upright and just as I did another boat, comes along, throws me a rope, and tows this humble sailor back to shore. (laughs) Lesson learned, listen to your wife, okay? But I believe that our life is often the same. You've got people trying to advise you, trying to guide you, trying to help you, and that's all good, and we need counsel in our lives. But without a strong enough counterbalance At the center of who we are in our lives, when the inevitable gusts of life blow across our bow, we're going to capsize. Joy found in Jesus is your counterbalance to life. It sustains you. Genesis 50, 20, you've probably heard it said before in a variety of ways. It says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. And here's how I read that in this analogy. Without a deep, sustaining joy in Jesus... Without that, we capsize. But with it, with a deep, sustaining uh, joy in Jesus, we're able to use those gusts of life that we know all come in a variety of ways. Instead, to push us over, they propel us farther and faster than we could ever imagine. Jesus can be that joy in your life and that counterbalance in your life. Joy is found and shown. Joy is found and shown. You don't have to go looking too far to find reasons to choose joy. It's in the small moments of every day. It's maybe a cup of coffee for you. It's maybe a a quiet conversation with a friend. It's in the inspiring moments and stories that we hear of our Kingdom Miller partners all around the world that are really doing uh, really amazing, heroic work for Jesus in some of the deepest and darkest corners of the world. That can bring joy to your life to see what God is doing. But it's all over God's word as well. The Bible gives us many reasons why we can be joyful at all times. And I'm just going to share about 10 of them with you. And I'm just kind of rapid fire through them. And I just want you, if there's something that the Holy Spirit connects to your heart, I want you to just seal that in. And I want you to look it up later and spend some time. And what is God saying to you in that? Let me just give you a few quick ones. In John 8, it says that Jesus set us free. It says, so if the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. In Ephesians 1, we're adopted into his family. We're not just left alone. We're not just out to fend for ourselves, but we're brought in to Jesus' family. In Luke 15, reasons for joy, we're found. We're no longer lost. We're no longer alone. We're no longer wandering in the world, but we are found. In Galatians 4, it says we're no longer slaves. So you are no longer a slave, but you are God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you an heir That's a reason for joy. You can find joy in that. In Ephesians 2, we're brought near to the Father. He's not far from us. It says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. In other words, the life of Jesus has brought you near to the Father. And in Hebrews 4, it says, we can go before God with assurance 
We don't have to fear going to God. We can go to him with assurance, with great confidence that we can receive mercy and grace for whatever we are going through in our lives. In, in John 10 and Romans 8, our salvation is secure. It says in John 10, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them from my hand. Isn't that amazing? That's a reason for joy. In Romans 8, I'm convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love. In our salvation, we have an inheritance waiting for us. That's a reason to choose joy. That in eternity, that as we follow Jesus, we know there is something waiting for us. In 1 Corinthians 2, we have the mind of Christ. I mean, these are reasons to choose joy. Our hope is secure, Hebrews 6. How about these? Jesus knows everything about you. He knows everything. He knows every thought. He knows every mistake. He knows every good thing, every relationship, every text message you send, every email, everything you wish you could have back. And guess what? He actually still loves you. He knows it all. No one in this world can say that about you. If people knew what you knew about yourself, what the Holy Spirit's just kind of reminding you of right now, people, you might, you might find fear in others. You might find insecurity. But guess what? Jesus knows you and he loves you. In Romans 8, again, God's working all of all things out for the good of those who loved him. And even though Jesus knows everything about you, let me just leave you with one of these last reasons to choose joy and to know joy and to find joy. Jesus has removed your sins from the east to the west, and he no longer remembers what you've done. That's a reason for us to choose joy. We can find joy and hope in that. There's many, many more. The evidence is clear and it's overwhelming that we have a deep assurance in Jesus, the life of Jesus and who he is and who he is to us. And we have a solid foundation for joy in our life. But joy is not just found for, us, for ourselves. It's not just discovered so that we can feel good. Joy is found and it's shown. As we read in 1 John earlier, it's best shown and shared with others. So how do you show joy? Let me just give you three quick ideas on how you can show joy. As you move into a new year, you seal out 2019. Some of you want to forget what happened in 2019. Some of you need a fresh start. Here's ways that you can show joy as you go into a new year. First of all, our joy, the joy of a believer, is not based on circumstances. It's not based on what's happening to you. So you can show joy in all things. You can show joy in grief, in suffering. The Bible talks about in 1 Thessalonians 4 that we don't grieve like those who don't know Jesus grieve. Some of you, maybe in the last year, you've gone through a very deep, dark time. You've lost someone. You've lost something. Maybe you lost a job, a loved one, something deep that you've had to grieve. I believe that when we know Jesus, our grief doesn't have to look like the world's grief because there's a hope. And in that hope, there's a joy. And we have an assurance that this is not our life. Our life is in salvation and eternal life. You can also show joy in different ways. You know, do you remember when your, um, your mother used to say, uh, don't eat that candy before a meal. It's going to ruin your appetite. Remember that? Maybe at Christmas you've been saying that uh, to your kids. The trouble with eating candy is it gives you this sugar buzz and it masks that your body needs stuff that you don't have. Money, power, success, good things that are happening to you, they're like spiritual sugar. And what happens to Christians is you say, I, well, I believe in God. And I know I'm going to heaven, but you actually base your day-to-day -day joy and happiness on what's kind of happening to you. And it, 
And instead of, of choosing joy, it drives you the wrong direction. But when terrible things happen, when challenges happen, it drives you into God. Because when the good things, the happenings, those things, when they go away, when the sugar goes away, it drives you into what you really need, what your soul really needs. And it drives you to God. And you develop a a poise, a power, a strong kind of joy that never goes away regardless of the circumstances. You can show joy in all things. You can show joy in the way you give. You can show joy in the way you serve. Paul in 2 Corinthians 8, he links joy with giving and serving. He writes this in verse 2. For even during a season of severe difficulty and tremendous suffering, they became even more filled with joy. And here's where he links it. He says, from the depths of their extreme poverty, superabundant joy overflowed into an, into an act of extravagant generosity. Even when things are going bad, you can be, you can be joyful. When you give generously, when you give without fear, without worry, without reservation, you show joy to those around you. People watch you give in that way. When you serve humbly in your family, in your church, here at Egan, in, 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 in your school, and in, in anywhere you serve, really, you're demonstrating joy. You're not just showing it, you're demonstrating it. And an assurance of your identity in Christ. It's not about what my, my status is. It's not about what I'm supposed to be. I'm going to serve, and that's where my identity is. It's a way you can show joy. I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but you can show joy that's different than happiness. Happiness, really, it's simply this. Happiness is just what happens to you. The root of that is that the idea that happenstance or chance or luck, that's something you don't get to choose. It just happens to you. But joy is a choice. Joy is a choice. It, it's something you have to find deep inside yourself. Joy is the choice to be positive, to praise God in every situation while knowing God is in control. That's what joy really is. We can be happy and that's great. We can celebrate good things in our life. I don't want, to, I don't want you to hear anything different. That's amazing. You should do that. But you can choose joy when happiness is impossible. When you face loneliness, illness, death, maybe you've lost a job, you can still choose joy. What the world calls happiness is getting control of your life so that you can keep your circumstances favorable. That's what happiness is. But what God calls us to is following him with a deep assurance in who he says he is. That's joy. This assurance brings joy to your life. Lastly, I want to challenge you with this thought. A joy is a direction, not a destination. Galatians 5 shows us the difference in direction for a joy-filled life with Jesus as the source and one that is not. Galatians 5 verse 19 through 26 says this. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, and the list goes on and on and on. But in verse 22, it says this. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in your lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross. They've crucified them there. And since we're living by the Spirit, let's follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. 
living with the direction of joy, the direction of Jesus in your life, a commitment to follow him no matter what, honor him in your life, that produces the fruits of the Spirit. And as we read at the top in 1 John, when you are in communion with God, when you're in a relationship with Jesus, you're not arriving at some place of joy. What you're doing is setting a direction in your life that you're going to continue to follow into eternity. I've seen what God can do. I believe this direction for my life and joy will overflow. Galatians 5, 25 and 26, just in a different translation, says it this way. Since this is the kind of life we've chosen, the life of the Spirit, let us make sure that we do not just hold it as an idea in our heads or a sentiment in our hearts. In other words, let's not hold it as a moment of time or a season in our lives, but let's work it out. Work out its implications in every detail of our lives. See, I believe that there are a couple people here this morning Maybe you're like me and you need a reminder of the direction of Jesus in your life. 2018 maybe was a good year. It wasn't great, maybe it was good. But as you head to 2020, you need a reminder of the direction of Jesus in your life. You know that there are corners of your life that you've not yet allowed Jesus into. You've not yet allowed him to set the direction of your life in every corner. But I believe today can be a new day. I believe today can be a day where you say, no, no, I'm not holding on to that anymore. I know that my assurance is in Jesus. I'm trusting to choose joy and allow Jesus to guide me in every corner of my life without fear or reservation. You maybe are in that camp. I know there are parts of my life that I say, no, that one I I wanna hold on to. That one, I I don't know about that one. I I believe today can be a new day for you. I also think there's some people in the room that, you don't, you don't know that you've yet chosen a direction for your life. You feel a little bit kind of blown around by the wind. When those gusts come across your life, you get lost. You spin, you get confused. You don't know what's, what's up and what's right and what's left. And you don't know how to move forward. I believe that Jesus wants to give you direction in your life today. I'm gonna give you an opportunity to set a new direction through a relationship with Jesus. Here's how you develop joy. When Jesus went to the cross, when he gave his life, Jesus lost all joy so that we could have it. It's as simple as that. He gave everything up so that we could have it. He experienced anguish so we could have new life. That's how the love comes into your life. When you realize what Jesus has done for you, you cannot help but live with joy. Joy is available for you today, and I believe that if you grab it, you can make 2020 a brand new year in your life, a brand new direction for your life. Amen? Let's pray. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for an opportunity to be in your presence, to hear from you. God, we thank you for your Holy Spirit that speaks well beyond words, that whispers things into our heart, that maybe there are some in this room you're You're hearing something in your life for the very first time. You don't know what it is, but the Holy Spirit is speaking into your life right now. And so God, we just pray, whatever you're speaking to us, whatever uh, things we need to be reminded of, whatever encouragements we need to hear, whatever guidance we need in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would speak it clearly and we'd have the boldness, the courage, the faith to step out and follow that. 
With every eye closed and every head bowed, and I want to give an opportunity for those of you who have yet to choose the direction of Jesus in your life to make that decision today. And you know over the last half hour you've sat in this room and you've listened and maybe there's some things you remember, some things you're thinking about, but ultimately deep inside you, you know you've not decided to follow Jesus. You know that's not in you. And so we want to give you an opportunity to change that. And so with every eye closed, every head bowed, if you know that's you, you know you need to make a, a decision today to follow Jesus, to choose joy. When the, when the world tries to pull you back, when the world tries to lie to you, you're gonna choose joy, you're gonna follow Jesus. If you want to follow Jesus today for the first time, would you raise your hand? No one looking around, just raise your hand. That's great, thank you. Give you one more minute, God's patient. He can handle your delay, it's okay. Pray with me. And as a sign of those, uh, just to support those around you that have decided to follow Jesus, just would everyone just repeat after me with your eyes closed, head bowed. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for giving me a plan for my life. Today, I acknowledge my need for you that I'm a sinner, that I've fallen short, and I need you. I believe you are who you say you are, and I want to follow you as my Lord and Savior for the rest of my life. And so today, Jesus, I set a direction towards you, and I'll follow you forever. In Jesus' name. Amen. God, we thank you for those who made that decision today and those you're speaking to who need a new direction in their life. God, we pray today is the day that you seal it. Where the joy came for a season, the cross seals it forever. And we pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would seal what you have done in your name, God. We thank you for today. And we pray that you would uh, speak to us as we go today. Guide us in every day, every opportunity, an opportunity to choose joy and choose your direction in our life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Would you stand with me and celebrate those who have given their life to Jesus today? Amen. Hey, before we go, we got a couple opportunities for you. The first thing I wanna remind you is every week, every week, there are prayer counselors that are here in front after the service. No matter what we're talking about, sometimes you can walk into the room and not hear a word that's said because there's something that's weighing on your shoulders for this whole hour. And I just believe that this is a place where you can find healing and hope and deliverance and freedom and whatever it may be. And so if that's something you need prayer for anything in your life, uh, as, the prayer, as the prayer counselors will come forward here in just a minute, I just pray that you would come forward and, and just ask for prayer. And if you don't want to talk about what it is, that's okay. Just say, I need God in my life. I need help. And for those of you who decided to follow Jesus today, we've got a great uh, couple resources for you. First of all, this one's called Now What? Uh, this is a Bible. And there's a journal in here and some resources of, of your first days following Jesus. What to do in that first month. Now what? I've set a direction in my life. What do I do? You can also text uh, behind me the number on the screen. Now what's that number? And, and you can get resources digitally as well. Uh, but we want you to know if you've set that direction in your life, this is a place, as we said at the beginning, that our joy is doubled because you made that decision today. And we're going to support you. Amen? Amen? So as we go, I want to wish you a happy new year. I believe that the best is yet to come in your life, that God's got something new for you in 2020. And so God bless you, and we'll see you next week.